0: For me, there was a lot of, oh, it's so cool that you're doing this experiment. Let's talk when it's done, as though there were some ending point and as though, you know, the assumption being work can't or couldn't happen in that interim, right? So part of what I had to learn was how do I create enough certainty for myself and then communicate that certainty to clients and potential clients so that that gets them to the point of being able, ready and willing to work now as opposed to at some future point.
1: Change is hard. There's no real way around that. It's disruptive, it breaks your flow, and it takes time and resources to react to and manage changes as they happen. And yet you and your business won't flourish without some change. So how do you embrace the suck and deal with it anyway? I'm Susan Bowles and you're listening to Break the Ceiling the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. Being able to manage change and to continue to exist and function in a rapidly changing environment is one of the hallmarks of being resilient, both as an individual and when it comes to building resilient businesses. But for most people, change means unknown and scary. Our brains evolved to analyze and to predict what's going to happen next. All day long, we just go around predicting what the next thing will be so that we can make decisions about what to do next. When change comes along, it's something new. And because we have no experience with it, we can't predict what will happen. And that stresses us out. As humans, we are hardwired to hate uncertainty. Worrying about what will happen actually causes more stress than knowing something bad will definitely happen. So theoretically, the more known you can make a change before it happens, the more comfortable people will be with it. But right now we're living in a world where there's no real way to make the change known. This is change that no one is really sure how to manage or when the pace of change will slow. As overused as the phrase has become this year, it's unprecedented which means no one has a model for how to deal with everything 2020 has thrown at us. So how do we go about building up those change management muscles? How do we make ourselves and our businesses stronger and better able to weather this ever-changing environment? That's what we're gonna talk about all this month, managing change. Meet Alisha Abate. She is an entrepreneur, educator, and future forward strategist. She partners with organizations that range in size from Fortune 500 to early stage startups. And she helps leaders make sense of the ever-growing disruption in our world, and channel that disruption into tangible results. She has a line on her website that I just love. It says, change is unpredictable, but we can still be ready. Alisha and I talk about how resilience and change management are intertwined, strategies to exist and even thrive in a constantly changing environment. And we'll talk about what she learned from her personal experience in resiliency. She packed up all her stuff and hit the road to try and figure out what it really takes to build resiliency when you're living with instability. Hey, thanks for being here today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to join you.
1: I am so excited for this conversation and really interested to talk to you. Uh, I think we're going to get into some really good juicy stuff. Yes. So 2020, it's been a pretty big year of change for just about everybody in the entire world. Yeah. So how have you seen this impact the folks you work with, the folks you're talking to? What's What have you seen happening? Yeah, I mean, you know, the... This is a big question. Yeah.
0: The, the, <laughs> what are the many directions that we could take this, this question? So how are we seeing it impact people? I mean, I think... Um, you know, the the structure to an answer like that looks at, you know, health-wise, how are people doing in terms of their physical health as well as mental health? Um, business-wise, how are they doing in terms of whatever their job or business may or may not look like? And then third, family connection community. Uh, what is that? What is the impact there? And um, in each of those buckets I. That, at the risk of giving you a non-answer answer, answer, it's kind of, it depends. (laughs) Um, It depends on um, what industry you might be in. It depends on um, what kind of health conditions you may have been in or economic conditions you may have been in ahead of this. And uh, then finally, in terms of just um, focus and resilience, how strong or how robust your resilience toolkit is or was um, prior to this and how quickly you've been able to adapt it or, um, Or build it out in the face of all of this change.
1: Mm. So, you mentioned resilience, and that's the focus. That's one of your main focuses. So, how do you see resilience and building that toolkit, those skills around being more resilient? How do you see that help people manage big change, either as an organization or as an individual?
0: Yeah. So in the face of great disruption, and, you know, a lot of the work that I do, in fact, the large body of work that I'm up to the business of creating right now, is focused on answering the question or or creating expressions to the answer to the question, how might we empower success in the face of the great unknown or the face of great uncertainty and disruption. And Through my work related to the future of work, I've discovered that there's a kind of three-part framework that helps us thrive in the face of of the unknown. And that is mindset, it's education, and it's collaboration. And each of these, of course, is divided into sort of three main buckets. One is a foundational principle, then there is the paradigm shifts that we're facing, and then the practice, so how do we actually use it? But in the face of – so the answer to resilience, how might we empower ourselves in the face of the unknown, mindset education collaboration is a great way to go about it. If you just focus strictly on the mindset piece, there there are all kinds of strategies around meditation and creating space for yourself to to diminish the level of cortisol in in your brain and in your body so that you can act um, not from a place of reaction but from a place of creation. I find an easier even access point than meditation or other places is a fundamental choice between are you going to be captive to your circumstances or a captain of your destiny and captives are fundamentally driven by a question why is this happening to me and if you kind of pick that question apart, it's a disempowering question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This out here is happening to me and therefore I have no control over it. Versus a captain of one's own destiny says, given that we're here, what do we wanna create? And given that we're here, that's an important part of the the statement because um, it recognizes where we are. And it even gives space for us to say, I don't like this. (laughs) Or it's uncomfortable, or I hate that, you know, my business failed or that I lost my job or that, you know, whatever else might be happening. Right. But since we're here, we happen to find ourselves in the situation. What do we want to create? Then you can get into action behind creating that.
1: Mm, I love that. I love the, the, the empowerment aspect of it. And that, Feeling like you are in control is seems to be a critical piece here, whether you are or you're not. You are in control of how you react to your circumstances.
0: Only always, only 100% of the time. <laughs> And that's, and that's so exciting, right? Because <laughs> that means that no matter what's happening, we have, we have a set of tools, even as simple as that question, for helping us create certainty and uncertainty. And so many of the conversations that I have been privy to or you know, that we see in the media, you know, there's a lot of this, like, when are we going back to normal or when are we creating a new normal? And at the moment, we are in a space of transition, transformation, I would argue, in a space of transcendence. So we're in this in-between part. So there's not going back or going forward, but what's really, and there's a lot of going forward, but what's underneath that question, you know, when are we going back to normal? That desire to create a normal is really a question that is, how might we create certainty in the face of uncertainty? And that's where the magic is. That's where the power and the empowerment is.
1: Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. All right. So we know, we know things are changing. Yes. the pace of change is really only accelerating. And at least for the foreseeable future, we are in this transitional period, this we're all globally. And as, as a community, we're trying to figure out what we do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, right now, what work looks like, what home life looks like, what our future look like, it feels like it's moving really fast, and it can be very scary. And we're also trying to manage this dynamic of there needing to be kind of big systemic change Mm -hmm. that sort of has to happen. And we don't know what that looks like. Uh, But we can only really fix that problem that's sitting right in front of us. So how do you manage that push and pull between we can sort of maybe see what's going to happen, but we don't have the power individually necessarily to affect that Change Uh, to
0: affect the larger change. Yeah. So there's yeah. Well, so there's a there is a push me pull you to you know what do we need to do right now and what's here on the horizon, and um and that works for business. That works for each of us individually. Right. There's the I have what's going on in front of me right now, and I can see these things in the horizon if I'm willing to poke my head up out of the sand or you know sort of stick the periscope above the water, and say what might be out here waiting for me, and and the dance becomes or is kind of riding that edge between what's here right now and what's coming. And, um, you know, each of us individually, although, um, you know, I I would argue that uh, that we do have (laughs) the capacity to begin to shift and change things at, um, you know, at scale, if and in, if we are willing to connect to and be inside of community, you know, one individual meditating in their home, you know, actually, one could make the argument that they would that they can also, you know, affect change in some way, but but by being able to bring each other together and to truly connect, not only connect um, you know by sending a text or um, you know or a message or a post on social media, but to to begin to truly connect, that's where that's where the not only handling of what's happening, but the acting proactively in the face of change begins to happen and occur.
1: And can, can you go a little bit more? into detail on how how people can get into community how they can start building that really that foundation the being being part of a community especially when we're all pretty segregated (laughs) like we're at least physically segregated hopefully yeah um you know how how do you see that happening
0: yeah so in in physical separation right and this this is getting uh, or sort of like moving into a place that's incredibly philosophical um and uh you know so so in the illusion of separation you know although we may be in our own homes and um you know, some people are still ex- doing extreme quarantining because of health situations or, um, you know, their, their own health situations or or taking care of family members. Um, others may be more active out, out in the world and everything in between. Um, but this, this illusion of separation is just that. And, um, you know, I happen to be smack dab in the middle right now. By the time this airs, I will have completed it. Uh, an experiment that I'm running called, uh, that I, you know, it's working title is strength and community. But what I decided to do was out of curiosity, reach out to 4,700, uh, you know, I had something like 4,760 ish connections on LinkedIn. And I wondered what would happen if I sent out a note to all of them and invited them into a 20 minute conversation in part out of pure curiosity in part to see and explore what happens in in terms of a sense of community you know on a platform that is that that exists for our connection right um, and so you know th- that we are separated or that we aren't in community what are the things that we need to do in order to foster that I think it's as simple as reaching out and saying hi <laughs> I think it's as simple as reaching out and get as in getting into conversation and, um, and creating spaces where you are proactively listening as opposed to, um, listening to speak or as opposed to engaging in conversation for, you know, a particular determined or driven outcome necessarily. There's a lot of value in being present to somebody in their experience, um, with no other intention other than to simply listen.
1: Mm. And how do you see the or maybe do you see the that there is a relationship between being in a community and your skills or ability to be resilient? Are those connected or I mean, so, you know, from from my experience during this whole uh, pandemic situation and the schools being closed, one of the things that I've seen is a lot of parents trying to kind of band together and figure out how to handle this as, you know, kind of a, a tiny village. And we're sort of, um, going back to the, it takes a village to raise a child thing. And it, I, I, that's been my personal experience. And I'm wondering if that's true, um, as, as you've seen it.
0: Yeah. So, um, so I think that a huge piece of resilience comes in, in connection and community. You know, as I mentioned, I'm about halfway through this experiment and you know, a few hundred conversations. And save one, the themes of resilience and mental health have been at the center in some way, shape, or form of every single conversation. And whether that's purely resilience, whether it's mental health, good or or bad, whether it is loneliness, connection, or disconnection, somehow that has been squarely at the center. So with that much sort of communicating back at me, um, you know, a need for an understanding of it minimally, but the building of community and connection um, in and for as an answer to strengthening our our capabilities of resilience, I find it front and center. You know, there's always, um, you know, there's a dance between, you know, the work that one must do internally in order to create that. um, Because true peace, I think, um, you know, a pathway there can be through community and connection with others. But, uh, you know, there's there's a reason why the, the hero's journey is always um, is always sort of the, the final battle is always with one's self <laughs> in mm. some way, shape or form rather than something outside of ourselves. It's always the mustering of courage or the learning of the lesson or the you know, sort of that, that. What do I need to discover about the strength of reserves in me in order to come out the other side of a challenge thriving? But with that, um, you know, sometimes the ability to look within comes by and with our connection with other individuals.
1: Mm. Is it worth it? Every small business owner wants to know that the money they spend on their businesses is worth it, that their investments produce results and help them grow. But if you don't know your business finances in and out, It's hard to know whether those expenses and investments are really worth it. Plenty of business owners, even the successful ones, feel like they're shooting in the dark when it comes to how they spend, save, and invest their money. Like you, they wonder if the ads they're buying, the software they're investing in, or the people they're paying are really paying off. And that's stressful. Feeling unsure about how you're spending or investing your money might be common but it sure isn't fun. I want something different for you. I want you to feel confident that every decision you make is guided by your financial intel. I want you to be able to decide what actions to take to grow your business from a place of confidence and purpose, not panic, so that you can feel masterful at managing your money instead of inept or just plain scared. I want you to know exactly what's working so you can go all in and make your money make more money. This is what i do for business owners when i step in as their chief financial officer on demand i help them parse the numbers look for opportunities and invest where it counts we get clear on where they're getting in their own way and where the math just doesn't add up and now i want to teach you to do the same for your own business because trust me you can join me for think like a cfo It's a four-month accelerator, online workshop, and small group coaching program where I'll work alongside you so you can start thinking like a CFO and know that every penny you spend on your business is worth it. You'll dig into your relationship to money, put your financial data at your fingertips, and build systems of cash flow, taxes, and budgeting. I'll help you integrate your financial knowledge into your operational systems and technology so that your whole business works better. And by the end, you'll feel wildly capable with your money. Think Like a CFO is starting soon. So go to scalespark.co slash CFO to get all the information and sign up. I can't wait to work with you. So let's talk about this, this hero's journey and the battle with yourself, Mm -hmm. and shift a little bit. So back in, I think it was 2017, you embarked on this experiment to learn how to be more resilient, which is just Completely fascinating to me. So, can you tell me tell me what that was all about? what What was going on? Sure. So, in it, I'll rewind it a little bit more than
0: that. So, in August of 2016, I went to a business conference where I heard Peter Diamandis get up on stage. He's the founder of the X Prize and Singularity University, one of the foremost futurists of our time. And he gets up on stage and starts talking about autonomous vehicles, self driving trucks. I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. You know, <laughs> great disruption in logistics and manufacturing, basically all industries we know and understand it. So on the one hand, I'm like, this is so cool, and almost instantaneously, like, but oh my god, what are we going to do with all the people? Because the impact on jobs, since truck driving is the most popular job in more than 25 states in the United States, I began to think about the truck driving jobs and then all of the industries that build up around that, what are we going to do with all the people. So I dove into the economic research And in January of 2017, decided that I would use my life as an experiment to, you know, to fundamentally answer the question. You know, so that moved away from what are we gonna do with all the people to how might we empower success in the face of great disruption? And do this journey both by pushing my life to an extreme of uncertainty, life and business to an extreme of uncertainty, by learning about the technologies that are creating the impact, and by learning from people who are masters at managing change, all to come up with answers to that question. And, um, you know, in the time since then, you know, I now work with organizations, um, large Fortune 500 kind of corporate organizations, early stage startups, large academic institutions, um, governments, to help them understand the impact of disruption and then channel that into positive impact and positive change in the moment of right now.
1: Mm. So. Talk to me about the details. What, what did you do? <laughs> um,
0: well, so the, the beginning of the experiment was, um, you know, very much sort of, you know, wherever my clients would be or whatever, um, I had on the agenda, uh, was where my travel would take me. And, um, and I figured that I would just do the same kind of business development that I had done, you know, making calls and, uh, that, that I had done prior to that. And, um, and then I went out on the road, and from day to day, I would decide if I was going to stay in a particular city. I stayed at a collection of hotels, Airbnb, um, friends and family, and, um, and kind of embarked on the journey that way. And what happened? <laughs> uh, what happened? Well, yeah. Um, Gosh, so many things. So what happened? First and foremost, um, I mean, so what happened really as a longer term result out of all of this is, um, you know, is this fascinating work that I get to do now, which is helping people um Helping people and organizations develop the tools and thinking that they need in order to thrive in the face of great disruption. Of great disruption, but in order to get there, of course, I well, I don't know if it's an of course, but in order to get there, at least my experience of it was needing to. Understand the impact of great disruption, uh, you know, understand the impact of what it means to be constantly on the move as so many families, and especially now in the in the face of this pandemic, um, are being forced to do, you know, uh, it turns out that trying to build a business or doing some doing consistent professional activity is challenging when you're constantly on the move. For me, there was a lot of, oh, it's so cool that you're doing this experiment. Let's talk when it's done. <laughs> And I was like, no, actually, you know, it turns out that it's not actually a very solid Um, strategy for business development when you're communicating about that much disruption. Because in my experience, that disruption or that movement lands as um, uncertainty in the listening, right? So part of what I had to learn was how do I create enough certainty for myself and then communicate that certainty to clients and potential clients so that that gets them to the point of being able, ready and willing to work now as opposed to at some future point when the experiment is over.
1: Oh, it's interesting that the uncertainty of your, really, we're talking about the uncertainty of your location made them uncomfortable and not certain about working with you overall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or just this understanding that, that, um, you know, even in the midst of this experiment, if you will, um, in answer to the questions of what are you up to right now, there's like, oh, great. That's so cool. So let's talk when this is over, you know, as though there were some ending point and as though, you know, the assumption being work can't or couldn't happen in, in that interim. So those were lessons that I had to learn so that I could create that certainty, both in the listening, in my communication and, and in um, my own external circumstances so that I could land the contracts that I needed to land in order to, um, In order to thrive myself.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. I guess I didn't really, I'd never really thought about the fact that our default assumption in the face of change is to stop other things until the change is done. That's, you know, if somebody says, hey, I'm moving or my schedule's in flux or, you know, I'm having a baby, I'm getting married, I'm, you know, major life changes. Our assumption as the receiver of that information is, Okay. Cool. Well, let me know when it's done. Yes. Um,
0: yes. And we put things on pause until things are done, and that's um, that's what I think is one of the biggest challenges for most people about the moment right now, is that they're saying, "Well, we'll just wait until it's over." Remember that happened back in March. We'll just wait yes. until um, August. You <laughs> know, everybody hold on till August, and things will go back to normal. Well, what happens when August hits and we're not back to normal? So, learning how to Still move, still create, still build as disruption is occurring becomes critically important because for the foreseeable future, we don't know what's going on. You know, we have an election coming up very shortly. Uh, We will be colder here in the Northern Hemisphere, and there's all kinds of hypotheses about how coronavirus is going to spread, you know, have another increase in in spreading, right? So we don't know what's going to happen. So if we keep holding on until then, We lose out on the opportunities of what we could be doing in, what we could create in, and how we could even channel this disruption into something greater, bigger, more interesting, into that better world that each of us, by the way, has the power in our hands to create in every action, decision, movement that we make and take right now, because we're certainly not going back to what
1: was. Mm, So, yeah, so fascinating. So... You're moving, you're, you know, you're moving around and you are processing stress and just trying to keep your business rolling and your life rolling. And uh, you know, maybe there's many crises that happen along the way, and you just you kind of just have to keep moving. So, what are some of the strategies that either you learned personally or that you've seen from your research be effective in becoming more okay with? continuing to build continuing to keep moving in the face of we don't know when it's over. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well that that mindset education collaboration framework came as much out of my, my own living of okay, how do I how do I stop making what's not working about this journey work for me and how can I turn it around into something positive? And that that mindset piece and that fundamental distinction of am I going to be captive to my circumstances or captain of my destiny, and the two questions that drive that—you know, why is this happening to me versus given that we're here, what do I want to create? Um, that that alone, like if, if we could, if you remember nothing else out of this interview and that conversation, that distinction can help get out of the fear and into the space of moving and creating. Uh, meditation is. Key, because that's that is how you know. Really, how do we create stillness in the space of chaos? Yesterday, one of the interviews that I had, somebody was saying that they 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 are equating this moment to um, to the the building the skill of moving in the eye of the hurricane. You know, if you're in the eye of the chaos. You're fine. You know, you know, there's stuff going on around you, but you're solid, right? You're, um, you're safe. But as you begin to move out and away from it too far into the future, too far into the past, too far into the worry about what you can't control, or to, then, then the wind starts to whip you. And, um, and so the farther you move away from that center, so practices like meditation, practices like being in community and conversation, you know, um, as I mentioned, almost every single one of the conversations that I've had had something to do with, um, with um, mental health or resilience or or combating loneliness, and something that that somebody said to me, um, you know, in a moment of courage, saying, lose the pride, ask for help. You know, mm-hmm. and and so that's where the education and collaboration pieces come into play. Education: What do I need to learn? What do I need to learn to fix the problem that I'm facing? <laughs> that was a big one in, through, throughout the journey that I was on. And then collaboration: Who do I need to connect with? And um, you know, who are my business partners? Who are potential funders? Who are friends and psychological support? Who are you know? So that mindset, education, collaboration: those three things working together to um, end up being that <laughs> three-legged stool. Uh, But those are some of the biggest lessons that I learned. And stop, you know, in in the creating certainty and uncertainty, there there can be a game of how might I remove uncertainty that I can't control? What do I mean by that? Um, At the beginning of the pandemic in March of this year, asking myself, okay, so if, if what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from the epidemiologists and what's going on in the world it's going to be, you know, 18 to 24 months before I can see other human beings in person. So rather than saying or wishing for my business, which was largely, it was 98% in-person delivery. So I got to flip my revenue stream around. So my choice was, or at least as I saw it, my choice was, okay, I can just sort of wait and hope that maybe this won't get canceled or maybe that thing will work and say, all right, I'm going to pretend, I'm going to assume for the moment that I'm not going to be able to see another human being for the next 24 months. What did that do? That allowed me to remove external uncertainties that I couldn't control and say, okay, great. Well, how might I need to build a business then if I'm not going to see another human being in person for the next 24 months? So that turned the power to me in the face of uncertainty by not needing to depend on things I couldn't I couldn't influence.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I see that a lot in um, kind of my work into like risk and analyzing risk. And I think it's very similar in you kind of assume the worst case scenario yeah. Yeah. and you figure out, you know, okay, cool. The worst thing has exactly. happened. How do you deal with that? Exactly. Um, and, and I never really thought about it as removing uncertainty, but you are, you're just saying, Hey, it happened. The thing in your head that you keep worrying about it, it happened. What do you do? Yeah. And by being able to Process that and come up with plans of how you'll react if that happens, yeah. and you're you're really um, managing that uncertainty, and that's the piece that allows you to then make more creative, more thoughtful, more you know calm decisions about what to do next. Absolutely,
0: hands down, and if you. It, and, and this is where the um, so one of the strategies for organizations in particular, but this also works for our own personal strategy, as we're thinking about creating things So come up with the best plan that you think you can. And then you create a red team kind of a strategy. The military does this a lot to say, okay, you come up with your best plan, and then you form a team to do everything you can to make that plan fail before you enact the plan so that you can make the plan itself much stronger. And as you are saying, if you can face the thing that you're most afraid of and then begin to build strategies against, then anything else that happens on top of that, you're already winning. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I also find that like the worst case scenario very rarely comes true. <laughs> yes, I know. So right. it does, it makes everything else feel easier. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then,
0: And then what that does, it becomes a sort of self, fulfilling and and refilling uh confidence and resilience because you practice like oh that was challenging i was able to do something that got me out of it cool now i can do it again oh this looks like the last time what could i have learned from that and how can i do this again so you begin to to increase the reserves that you have on the resilience meter
1: Mm, i love that so is there anything you think we should talk about that we haven't already touched on
0: What I would say is this notion of how we view disruption and so much of the instinct, not always, but so much of the instinct when things get disrupted or what we thought was going to happen, doesn't happen. We say, Oh my God, that's bad, (laughs) you know, or we didn't want that to occur. And, and it may not, it may create a result that doesn't look like the thing that you had planned in the first place, but beginning to practice, shifting that instinct away from this is bad. It shouldn't have happened. I wish it weren't happening to say to asking the question in the face of disruption, how might this actually be the best thing that's ever happened to me, to my family, to my business, to anything else that's going on around us. And, um, and wherever you get to with the answers with that, having done the exercise itself can, again, it can help create enough of breathing room sometimes because doesn't feel good, you know, as an example for me when it was March 10th and you know, I'm standing uh, um, in the rain outside of the library at the University of Cincinnati and the Ohio governor is, you know, taking aggressive actions for a lockdown. And I'm watching my revenue for the next several months evaporate. That didn't feel any kind of good. <laughs> However, by asking myself that question, wait a minute, how might this actually be the best thing? Not that it felt good or that it felt like the best thing at the time at all, but that gave me enough access into imagining possibility instead of imagining
1: doom and gloom that I was able to create on top of it. I love that. I think that's a fabulous place for us to wrap up. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect or learn more about what you do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on my website, which is ileshaabate.com. I am active on very active on LinkedIn, which is where I'm running the strength and community conversation and experiment. I'm active on Instagram. So just look for me, Abate, on in both of those places, and you'll find my smiling face.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This was fabulous.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was an honor and a privilege to share this time
1: and space with you. I went looking for a definition of change and found kind of the perfect one in, of all places, an article on the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers website, who would have figured engineers to write a poetic and perfect definition of change. It says, change is something that presses us out of our comfort zone. It is destiny filtered, heart grown, faith built. Change is inequitable. It's not a respecter of persons. Changes for the better or for the worse, depending on where you view it. And I think this truly exemplifies exactly what Alicia and I were talking about. You can't control the change, but you can control your mindset around the change. You can embrace it, lean into it and give yourself just a tiny bit of mental breathing room by asking how might these actually be a good thing to give you the space to take a breath, and start to think more creatively about how to weather the storm. Next week, I'm talking to Melody Wilding about how to build up those personal change management and resiliency muscles. As business owners having strong skills around managing and reacting to change benefit both ourselves and our businesses. And that's what we're gonna talk about. So hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode was edited by Marty Seefeld with production assistance by Kristen Jundik.